Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Emmaus Road Fellowship, where we encounter Yeshua in the scriptures. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org, where you'll find additional teachings and information on visiting us in Kingwood, Texas. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving to support Emmaus Road's mission of spreading the good news of the kingdom. May God grant you shalom in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. So before we get more uh, get going this morning, we always want to like to check in and see if anybody had any words or uh, something to say from worship. When I was uh, doing worship, I was uh, just in the presence of God, and uh, He reminded me of. Uh, that verse that says, uh, Father, in your name, we cast out demons, we prophesy, mm-hmm. we heal. And Yeshua replied to them, um, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And another translation says, depart from me, you doers of lawlessness. And, and I asked the Lord, what does that mean? So I asked him, what does that mean? And he said, he said, my people forsake my word. They seek me only for healing. They seek me only for prophecy because they concern themselves with the end time. They want to know what benefits them, how they're going to be in the midst of all things. It's for their own sake that they seek me. And I said, Lord, there's only but a fraction of people who read your word, who ground themselves in the word. The Lord said, their relationship is based on my word. Their foundation is my word. And I said, Lord, have mercy on us. How will we survive? If this is the case, then how are we going to survive? We all have neglected your word. And I didn't hear any response. So I asked again, I said, Lord, have mercy on us. You forgive up to a thousand generations. I said, Lord, just forgive us and strengthen us, Father. Mm-hmm. Give us eye to see and ear to ear your word. And I didn't hear anything else after that. The word of God still validated to this day. And nobody seeks it. And even those who seek it is only because they want guidance for something that they want to overcome. They just want to come out of something. They just want encouragement. They just want their feelings to be transformed into happiness. And that's about as far as they go. So I just ask the Lord to forgive us mm-hmm. and to have mercy on us. Amen. Thank you, Diego. All right. Let's pray. God, we create space for your spirit to move. We create space for our minds and our bodies and our souls to just settle in and just know you because you're God. God, speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to our minds and our souls so that the fullness of who we are is in alignment with who you've called us to be. Give us ears to hear so that so we can hear our name and we can hear your voice because it's just sweet to our soul. Praise you, God. And with great expectation, we thank you for what you're about to do this morning. It's in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for that, Diego. Um, uh, if you weren't here last week, you're probably confused. Uh, Chris did let you know that I was going to be up here speaking. This is not an extended Rosh Hodesh. Um, and so uh, I'm excited. Um, congratulations to the answer to a trivia question. This is my first time to actually come up here and uh, share the word and uh, I guess preach a sermon for a back, lack of better words. Um, it is kind of funny and interesting too. Um, I used to teach for about five years and uh, it was in literally that corner that I would sit at a desk and uh, teach math and Bible and whatever else. Uh, it's small private school. So whatever else they needed us to do. And, and, uh, and it was at that moment too, it was in that classroom that I really started to, my heart started to stir for the, to understand the Jewishness of Jesus. Um, and to really, I had a lot of free reign, which really looking back, almost kind of scary. I'm a 25 year old kid. They said, go teach the Bible. And, uh, and, uh, they had a lot of faith in me. So I appreciate that. Did a lot, a lot of good. Um, and to, to table or not to table that, but, uh, to, I've never even used that term before. So I'm excited what else I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> um, so, uh, should have just gone to chat, chat GPT or whatever that new AI, just throw in some words, tell them it's a sermon, come on out and then just let AI do this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it works, huh? Um, uh, and so, um, I'm reminded, uh, I remember Caleb, his first baseball game a couple years ago, uh, was, was, it was a dad's pitch league and, uh, he was excited and nervous all at the same time. And, uh, I guess that's why I'm reminded of this story. And, uh, I was the, I was actually the pitcher of the uh, coaches pitch team. Uh, and so, and I said, Caleb, Caleb, listen to me. I know you're, you're nervous. It's that first game. Um, but let's do this. That first pitch, I'm going to throw it out of the strike zone. Don't even, don't even swing. This will get you, this will get you at least the experience. You'll get to see a pitch. You'll get to know where my release point is. You know, all the baseball jargons talk. So he comes up, he thinks like second or third batter. He comes up and then I am about to pitch. I give him the, like the nod. Um, and I totally forgot what I told him. And so I give him the nod, like, all right, let's do this. And so I get up there and I throw this pitch and it was probably the best pitch that I threw <laughs> all game right down the middle. And it was probably the only time. And he's, he's standing up there and he's about to swing. He sees that first pitch. He's like, he looks at me like this. <laughs> it's like, not often you get like a seven year old kid just kind of, dude, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, but, uh, cause I, I don't know why I told that, but it's a, it's a good story that kind of about, you know, it's, it's the first time up here to, to kind of share my heart and to share, uh, share what God has showed me. Um, and I actually think what the Lord told me this morning, as I asked, I said, God, what do you want to say this morning? Chris told me about three weeks ago that I was going to come up here and, and share the word. And so I did nothing but YouTube search. Tor portion bow, Parsha bow, uh, the Exodus, Passover. And for two weeks, two and a half weeks, I'm trying to figure all this out. Um, I'm trying to basically, in a nutshell, I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. And um, there was, uh, it's, I, so I, this morning, I mean, up until literally about six this morning, I think nothing really came together. And even then I'm hoping it comes together. Uh, Chris is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and so it was amazing how I think the, the Lord gave me this, um, this word. Um, and so before that I, I said, what, what I did my own little study or research or say, Hey, what, what words have come to mind while you study, while you get to this and, you know, boldness came to mind. This is partial bow. This is the, uh, this is the last three plagues. This is the Passover. This is the um, uh, Rosh Hodesh being given. That's, that's why you gave this to me. There you go. All right, there we go. We're going to implement Rosh Hodesh here. Um, it's overcoming. There's growth. There's identity, courage, freedom, redemption. So these are a lot of the words that, that came to mind. But I asked the Lord this morning. Um, and I cried as I read it, as I spoke it. Um, 
And he said this, he's like, I want to redeem you. Your assignment that I have for you this upcoming season requires me to purify you. There will be a greater distinction between those that know me and those that don't. It will be in your best interest to know me. The blessings I have in store for you, you cannot even begin to comprehend. Don't focus on what the enemy is doing. Know what I am doing. Then he said this, know me. Know me. Know me. And I just started weeping and started crying. And then I realized, Stephen, and it's like the words come out, and then you realize, wow, that's what this was all about anyway. It was kind of cool. Chapter 10, verse 2. It says, and so, I'll just read the first two voice, uh, verses. So the Lord said to Moses, come to Pharaoh, for I have made his heart and the heart of his servants stubborn, so that I can put these signs of mine in his midst, and so that you may relate in the ears of your son and your son's son that I made a mockery of Egypt and my signs that I placed among them, and here it is, that you may know that I am the Lord. There's a difference between, there's a reason, as I've learned between the first seven plagues and these last three, these last three were a focus of God for the people of Egypt to know him, to know that there is a reason and a purpose for why he's doing this so they can share and talk and tell their kids generations after generations after generations. And so um, as I reread all of my notes, I kind of filtered it through that word. And so when I think it makes sense, in fact, I'm not going to have false humility here. It's going to make awesome sense. That God's going to do something amazing to our hearts this morning. As he's going to put a desire in us to know him like we've never known him before. And so I thought about uh, Parsha Bo. Bo means come. Come into Pharaoh. Come. There's a lot of other words that says go, go to Pharaoh. Uh, the majority of what I've read and looked up is just come. Come into Pharaoh. And so, and it just clicked and it hit me as I was thinking about God's invitation for us to come to Pharaoh. So you usually don't use the word come unless you're referencing that you're already there. So when I think of the word come, it feels more like of an invitation to arrive at a place where the person who was calling you is already there. Who is Pharaoh? Pharaoh has held the, the Israelites in bondage and slavery, has kept them, has persecuted them. So as I talk, as I, as I listen to the Lord and I say, he says, come, Come to the place where you feel like you have been persecuted. Come to this area of your heart that you've been lied to, that you've been betrayed, that you have been stolen from. God is inviting us into the chamber of where the adversary who has kept us in bondage sits. And through him, through God, through our partnership with him, we're going to be able to, to look our adversary in the face and say, you're done. No more. No more will I believe the lies. No more will trauma affect me. No more will I be scared to just love people that I don't agree with. So he's going to release us from what we find as familiar and mundane. He's going to bring us into this place that says, whatever's keeping you from walking in the fullness of your destiny, let's deal with that together. Come, 
I'm already there. Don't be afraid to go to that area of your heart that is hurting. Don't be embarrassed to say and to, to confess, I'm struggling with this. As I go back to the word, it says, there's going to be a distinction between those who know me and those who don't. Let's get to know him. And that means removing the barriers that the enemy has put purposely there so that we have difficulty really experiencing his love and his forgiveness. And it might be even something generations past. But spend time with him. Ask him. Just be with him. So come. Come into that place. Come into that chamber. Know that God is there. And he's excited to help you and to partner with you to deal with that that's keeping you from the fullness of your destiny. So some of the fruit of knowing God a little bit more intimately is boldness. And so I, 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 I watched and this is three chapters, chapter 10, 11, 12, and part of 13, three and a half. Uh, and we see Moses's Moses is Moshe's. How about that? I'll just do the, it's easier. We see Moses become more bold. And it reminds me, so when God first called Moses, we know how it went. It says in Genesis 4, he says, And now go, and I shall dispatch you to Pharaoh, and you shall take my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses replied to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should take the children of Israel out of Egypt? And then Genesis 4.1, it says, But they will not believe me and they will not heed my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Speaking of the Israelites. And then Genesis 4.10, Moses replied to the Lord, Please, my Lord, I am not a man of words, not since yesterday, nor since the day before yesterday, and not since you spoke to your servant, for I am heavy of mouth and heavy of speech. And then just three verses later in Genesis 4.13, he replied, Please, Lord, send through whomever you will send. Basically, send Aaron. He's right there. Come on. And then we eventually get to the point where in Genesis 32, chapters 11, uh, verse 11 and 13, Moses eventually gets to the point where he's actually telling God himself, don't kill the Israelites after the incident of the golden calf. Kind of bold. To where I can't go and speak before Pharaoh to, uh-uh, God, you can't do that. So there's this process of boldness that has been created through these experiences of God saying, Go talk to Pharaoh. Didn't work. Go do it again. Oh man, he's still not letting us go. Go do it again. Keep going. I'm doing something in you because you've got a greater calling than just talking to Pharaoh. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. Before God even called Moses, there's something I learned. God was kind of actually watching him. Kind of like an interview process that, you know, sometimes people are watching you. You have no clue and they don't realize or you're not realizing it. But say Moses didn't realize God was already watching him about his calling. So there's three stories where Moses just couldn't stand to watch injustice happen. Moses was called to deal with the injustice of his people in Egypt. And here he is saying, no, 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 God, I can't do this. Not me. You've, I've, I've, already, I've already explained to you. I'm slow of speech. All right, I got Aaron. God always had an answer for everything. He got so annoyed, he almost killed him on the way down to Egypt. But he didn't. But he says, Moses, he didn't really, this is not scripture. I want to go ahead and clarify that. It's stories from scripture, but it's not like what really God said. He says, Moses, I've seen you. I saw you kill the Egyptian that was beating up that Hebrew slave. You saw injustice and you stepped in. Moses, I saw you intervene when two of your Hebrew brother slaves were fighting 
you saw injustice and you stepped in. And even when you left for fear, I saw you save the seven daughters of Jethro from the shepherds. You saw injustice and you stepped in. Sometimes tough love is uh, was what God likes to, to do with us. And at times I could probably see how the conversation could have gone like this. Moses, quit telling me you're not worthy. I've seen your heart. I've seen you move when nobody's watching. I've seen you desire justice and truth. I've seen you desire people to get free. Don't tell me you're not called for this. You are. You just don't know the full impact that you can do do and what you can have yet. So, it was in him. Moses just didn't know it. It's in you. You just don't know it. That's where we go. That's where we deal with the things that the enemy has placed within our hearts and say, all right, God, let's get rid of this. Reminds me of Psalm 139. You have searched me and you know me. Verse 1. In verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. He knew us. He knew Moses. He knows you specifically for what he has called you to be. And he's going to call you into a place that's uncomfortable because he knows in the end what you're capable of. And then chapter 10 continues with the eighth and the ninth plague. The locusts, the darkness. Um, I've heard some read some teachings that really kind of like that last three plagues was kind of like one really long plague with different little segments or chapters or halves or something like that. But the locusts, I can see how they were saying the locusts kind of covered the the land with dark. It looked dark. Um, it's funny, in, in our house, I, I know how people respond when there's just one cockroach. So to see a full swarm of locusts can probably be uh, intimidating. Um, so in the darkness, it was three days. It's like every little section kept getting darker and darker, and then there's death. And so in chapter 11, though, And all the other plagues, God says, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and we're going to do it. And we talked about it, and Chris has explained it too, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. God was strengthening Pharaoh's heart so that he can allow these things to happen so that people will know him and they know his glory. So in Exodus 11, I'm actually going to read this full chapter. So the Lord said to Moses, one more plague shall I bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. After that, he shall send you forth from here. When he sends you forth, it shall be complete. He shall drive you out of here. Please speak in the ears of the people. Let each man request of his fellow and each woman from her fellow silver vessels and gold vessels. The Lord granted the people favor in the eyes of Egypt. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the eyes of the servants of Pharaoh and the eyes of the people. So Moses said, So said the Lord, At about midnight I shall go out in the midst of Egypt. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the maidservant who is behind the millstone and all the firstborn of beasts. There shall be a great outcry in the entire land of Egypt, such as there has never been and such as there shall never be again. But against all the children of Israel, no dog shall wet its tongue, against neither man nor beast, so that you shall know that the Lord will have differentiated between Egypt and Israel. Then all these servants of yours will come down to me and bow to me, saying, Leave, you and the entire people that follows you. After that, I will leave. And he left Pharaoh's presence in a burning anger. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. 
So Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord strengthened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not send the children out, children of Israel from this land. So in this section, as we transition to chapter 12, and 12 is where the, um, no, I almost said Exodus. 12 is where the Passover is and uh, the, the death of the firstborn. So there's three areas of justice that God does. And it's just proof that God even pays attention to the, uh, the small things. In verse 2, I'm sorry about this. I've got, uh, I came here and I had like all my verses on my paperwork and I'm just like, didn't want to spend any extra time worrying about putting it up there. Maybe that's the next one. Um, verse 2, silver and gold vessels. Um, it says, please speak in the ears of the people. Let each man request of his fellow and each woman from her fellow silver vessels and gold vessels. So on this basic level, Pharaoh had exploited the Israelites economically. Think of all the years that they were slaved and slaved and working. Didn't get paid. Well, they got fish or they got some food. We know that because eventually when they're out in the wilderness, they desired to go back to Egypt to, for the food. They got food. They got enough to kind of keep them going, but they were, they were not paid. But God gave them favor. And when they left, they left with the wealth of Egypt. It's as if God is saying, you aren't leaving until you take back some of the economic wealth that the back-breaking labor produced for us. They like, uh-uh. You're not just going to leave, guys. They took something from you, and it's yours. And you're going to take it back, and it's going to be justice. Pharaoh's servants bowing down to Moses. In verse 8, says, Then all these servants of yours will come down to me and bow to me, saying, Leave you and the entire people that follows you. And so with that, go back to Exodus 5, 1 through 2. I'm going to read that real quick. So afterwards, Moses and Aaron came and sat to Pharaoh, or said to Pharaoh, so said the Lord, the God of Israel, send out my people that they may celebrate for me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh replied, who is the Lord that I should heed his voice to send out Israel? I do not know the Lord, nor will I send out Israel. So what did God ask for? Pharaoh denied God's request to allow the Israelites to serve their true master. Instead, Pharaoh lorded over them as master himself. He made a servant out of somebody else's servant. So the justice of God is saying, hey, Pharaoh, because you didn't let me, you didn't let my servants serve me, I'm going to take your servants from your palace and make them bow to Moses. And we start to see, we start to understand that God is a God of justice. He sits on the throne of justice and righteousness. As we learn, as we understand, we get to know him. We get to know that he's for us. And he desires us. And when bad things happen, even though it doesn't feel like he's on your side, he is. Sometimes delayed, God's got a greater, a greater reward for you the longer it delays the justice so we go to verse 6 of chapter 11. Chapter 11 says, There shall be a great outcry in the entire land of Egypt, such as there has never been, and such as there shall never be again. But against the, all the children of Israel, no dog shall wet its tongue, against neither man nor beast, so that you shall know that the Lord will have differentiated between Egypt and Israel. So I'm going to go back to, um, hold on a second. All I need to do was read verse 6, but you got a little bit extra. Good job. All right. 
So now the screaming and silence. Let me go ahead and read that again so we can just, so there will be a great outcry, great screaming in the entire land of Egypt, such as there has never been and such as there will never be again. And when we read Exodus chapter five, verse six through eight, where's the justice in that? Why is he saying that? So verse six in chapter five says, on that day, Pharaoh ordered the taskmasters over the people and its foremen saying, you shall no longer give straw to the people to manufacture the bricks of yes as yesterday and before yesterday, let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks that they were making yesterday and before yesterday, you shall impose upon them. Do not reduce it for they are lazy. Therefore they cry out saying, let us go and bring offerings to our God. calling the, the Israelites lazy, trying to claim that we just want to go and not work and go cry out to God. Well, if the Israelites have time to cry out and scream, it must be because they don't have enough work. I'll go ahead and take the straw away and give them the same quota. So Pharaoh or God sees that and says, nope, before I take you out of this place, Pharaoh dismissed the Israelite screams and cries by making a sadistic comment about straw. Now the screams are the screams of the Egyptians. There is a scream in Egypt, but it won't be heard by the Israelites. The terror that Pharaoh inflicted would be inflicted upon him and his people. Everything that Pharaoh did to the Israelites are coming back on him. Everything the enemy has ever done to you God is in your court and he will redeem you and he will bring all that back. Now it's time for the, ex, the Exodus. We're in the Exodus. Sorry. We're not there yet. We'll get there next week. But now it's time for Passover. It's kind of chapter 12 makes me excited about Passover. I've always loved it. It's been a great great experience to see the connection of, of Yeshua and the Passover. But before then, God has a couple mitzvahs. He's got a couple, couple requirements, not requirements, but new instructions for the people of Israel. And then in, um, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. All right. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, Maybe it should be worse one and two. I need to. <laughs> this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be for you the first of the months of the year. So it's almost like before God is about to just turn your world upside down, he wants to give you a little structure. He says, hey, listen, I'm about to take you out of this place. For 116, 210 years you've been in Egypt, I think that's right if I remember his uh, thing. All right, 116 in slavery. There we go. Paying attention. That's why I'm in the front row. <laughs> I mean, was there even a reason to keep track of the days and the nights and when you've been in slavery and in bondage and you've got no rest and everything? So God has. Before he goes out, uh, Rosh Hashanah was the very first commandment that the nation of Israel received as a whole. And from this point on, the Hebrew calendar will be calculated based on the renewal of the moon as opposed to the cycle of the sun. And so God established his calendar. Well, actually, he, um, he always had the days and the nights and everything as we read in creation, but it had been lost for the Israelites for a while. Sometimes in slavery and in bondage, you kind of forget you kind of get in survival mode and you just have no clue what's going out there. You're just trying to get to that next meal. But so why is that significant? Why would it be significant for God to establish his calendar about Rosh Hashanah before they left? It was so significant, actually, that about a thousand years later, when the Syrians and Greeks persecuted the Israelites, they eventually culminated, that eventually culminated in the miracle of Hanukkah. Rosh Hodesh was one of three commandments whose observance was the oppressors prohibited. Only three. 
Rosh Hodesh was one of them. It was that important. Why? Why is something as significant as creating a system of time important for them when you are coming out of slavery? Well, the first thing is, well, Rosh Hodesh, it sets the calendar in place, it brings order, and it unifies people. It's the framework in which God establishes times and seasons, or actually better yet, God had already created the days and the nights and the seasons. But now he's given us a framework to function within what he has already established. Without the calendar, there are no feasts, there are no festivals, there's nothing to count, to anticipate, to be excited about. So God has created a system to remember him. What's the whole purpose of the feasts? Just to remember him, to share. And second, it symbolizes renewal. Rosh Hodesh, every new moon, renewal. In fact, it's the renewed moon. Every month we get to blow the shofar and experience a renewal. And in this case, since it was established at this particular moment in time, it's also a reminder of the renewal of the Jewish people from slavery and the bondage and bondage from or bondage from bondage into freedom. I can go ahead and confess I've never blown the shofar at Rosh Hashanah. Talk about every month that that Sabbath before Rosh Hashanah, we talk about it and stuff. But it made me think about, yeah, that's actually a little celebration there. Once a month, once a week. We have Shabbat once a month, Rosh Hodesh. Sometimes you get to do it twice. Once a year, you've got all these. God's just a God of cycles. Um, and it's the opposite of the dehumanizing reminders of the pharaohs of this world who justify the attempted annihilation of not just the Jewish people, but any group of people around the world. Rosh Hodesh is a celebration of freedom and renewal and should bring us closer to God in our purpose. It should. There's a new moon. There's a reason behind it. And it's the time to just sit with your family and just renew your mind. God has got his calendars for the purpose of being renewed and celebrating him. So following the commandments of the new moon, we see that God's commandments concerning the Passover offering. And so we also see a lot of similarities between these commandments with our master Yeshua, the Messiah. So each household, as he uh, talks about this, we've got the new moon. All right, established a calendar for you. Established when the days and the months, when the months um, start and end. Let's do this then. So here's the first month. So we'll start over. Here's the first month. All right. So each household is instructed to take a lamb on the 10th of the month and inspect it. Four days before his death on the cross, Yeshua arrives in Jerusalem on a donkey on the 10th of Nisan. What do we know about the, um, the lamb? It should be a male without blemish of the first year or in the prime of his life. Yeshua was a man without blemish. He was without sin. Ah, I did the first year twice. Let's talk about that again, I guess. In the first year, the prime of his life, Yeshua was 33 years old and in the prime of his life. If your family's too small, which I don't think this congregation has too many issues with that, you must share with another household. The entire family had to participate in the slaughter of the lamb. Yeshua was sacrificed, or all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All had to participate. Slaughter, um, they slaughtered the lamb on the 14th of the month at twilight. As we know, Yeshua was sacrificed at the same time the lambs were being killed on the 14th day of the month. He was our Passover lamb. Take some of the blood, you put it, put it on the lentils and the doorposts, and it's that blood where we are saved through that time, through the, uh, through the last plague. It says, by his blood, by the blood of Yeshua, we are saved. And so no bone should be broken. And they took Yeshua's bones, or they took Yeshua down off the cross before they broke his legs. And they took him outside the camp. 
And so the blood that was smeared on the door frames will be a sign for God that these are the Israelites' homes. And because of that, God will pass over those homes and the firstborn will not die. And so looking back, we can see the similarities of um, that Passover lamb, that Passover time. And we get into it a lot more as we, as we celebrate Passover. Um, and so I want to read, so Genesis chapter 12, 21 through 25. It says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike in the, in the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood of the lintel, on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And I know as we've always talked about, I know uh, Chris has talked about it before, uh, as I kind of read into it a little bit, is... Was this done? Was the blood smeared? This is a question I have here. Was the blood, blood smeared on the outside or the inside of the house? And a lot of sages talk about how it was on the inside of the house. Based on Genesis uh, 12, chapter 3, it's to be a sign for you. 13, sorry. Genesis 12, 13 makes the point that the blood shall be a sign for you. Because of that, the sages infer that the blood should be a place on the inside of the home. I always grew up in a household that just assumed from the pictures that I saw that they were on the outside of the house. And there was always a, like a little kid looking through the doorway with a little lamp, candle or something like that, watching daddy put the blood on the outside of the house. And I started to think about it, actually. Um, if our family was there, and it was on the outside of the house, and all of a sudden you hear all this chaos going on around you, I could just feel that little nudge, Jared. Are you sure you put the blood on the post? I'm like, yes, I did. I promise you. Just go outside and check real quick. It's like, no, there's chaos. And what? I'm not going to go outside. Jared, just check. Oh, huh? Yeah. Good. I got an amen on the front row. <laughs> it's like, are you sure? It's like, well, I, I was sure until you asked me. Man, now I don't know. But there's something beautiful to look at it from the perspective of the blood being on the inside of the house, inside of your heart. So if the blood was on the inside for only the Israelites to see, let's continue to stay with this theme of inside. Who is the destroyer that is talked about? It says that God will come through the land and then the destroyer then there's, oh man, I had the, I had the, uh... all right, pop quiz. Anybody know where that, that one is? It's in ch chapter 12, 25, I think. Yeah, it's just 12, 23. 23? Hashem will, pass through the, Hashem will pass through to smite Egypt, and he will see the blood that is on the lintel and the two doorposts. And the Lord will pass over the entrance, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house to smite. You shall observe this matter as a decree for yourself and for the children forever. And the last thing I really want to share and talk about is inside the house, the blood is on the lentils. It's on the doorposts. And it talks about the destroyer. So let's think about that. So for this example, that destroyer is that persecution that you give yourself from within. The personal destroyer, the fear, lack of confidence, anxiety, the nagging self-doubt, the lack of faith, hopelessness, despair, the voice of self-defeat, the greatest enemy and destroyer of all. Everything that God invited us to come into Pharaoh's throne and look at and talk about is inside you trying to ruin delay, or even kill the promises that God has inside of you. And for some reason, we entertain that. We entertain those, those, those doubts, the fears, the hopelessness. We see that uh, if mom and dad wasn't successful, I'm probably not going to be. 
or if they're hungry, I'm going to go hungry. It's that voice of self-defeat. So from the Israelites' perspective, from inside of the door, they're looking at the blood of the Passover lamb and are about to depart for this land of torture, oppression, and slavery. The world, my world, is about to forever change. And all around me, God is manifesting himself. Together with all of Israel, we are about to embark on a path to fulfill our destiny and purpose. And yet, so many questions come at me with fear of the unknown and doubt. But this sign, the blood of the lamb that I'm staring at while chaos is going on outside, reminds me that nothing can ever change, revoke, or annul the promises of God. This sign, the blood of the lamb, is an exclamation mark calling out godliness in my life and the life of my family and my people. Let no destroyer, let not the voice of self-defeat ever enter into my home again, into my consciousness or into my children's home or into the fabric of who I am. This is what the sign is calling out. The blood of Yeshua banishing for all time the destroyer from within. It's a reminder annually to know that the blood of Yeshua, our Passover lamb, has gotten rid, has the power to redeem all the lies that we've ever lived and walked in. Every week, we get to just rest and have a week of Shabbat with family and worship. Every month, we get to renew our minds and get ready for the next month. And every year, we get to make all the declarations and the promises and declare God's goodness. So at midnight, God smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt. And as Moses prophesied, Pharaoh was quick to call him and Aaron and urge them to leave Egypt quickly. And they left with great wealth, as God had promised to Abraham. But more importantly, throughout this whole experience, they left knowing him. And so I just want to end with some encouragement that we could all just help each out, help each other out in. Um, I just feel like I need to, to speak this word one more time and then we'll close it out. And then I'll just ask, ask you guys um, what the Lord was talking to you about this time. So the Lord says to you, I want to redeem you. Your assignment that I have for you this upcoming season requires me to purify you. There will be a greater distinction between those that know me and those that don't. It will be in your best interest to know me. The blessings I have in store for you, you cannot even begin to comprehend. Don't focus on what the enemy is doing. Know what I am doing. Know me. Know me. Know me. It's an invitation of God to, to come into his chamber, to his chamber and get to sit with him and know him. And then there will be times where God will invite you into the chamber of the enemy and say, hey, this is what we're going to deal with today. You and me, let's do it. And uh, I think it's your destiny to do it. Your willingness will determine how quickly it will happen. So, um, uh, not too bad. <laughs> <clears throat> so I just wanted to um, go ahead. Usually we just close or just open up. If I ask any questions or if there's anything that came up while we were sharing or talking. So I, I didn't really want to share this, but you had mentioned confession 
early on. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, sometimes you preach and you wonder, are these people really listening? Or is this even the right message? <laughs> um, maybe I'm not saying you were wondering that. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, so months, uh, months ago, um, so I, I've been dealing with addiction for, I don't know, uh, since 2001. So I do the math, I guess, 20 some odd years. For 15 years, it's been a thing between me and God. Mm -hmm. um, and I've tried multiple times. And some people know that already. Um, so anyways, uh, last year, I, I got these um, patches. And, you know, Amy's bothering me about it. And I said, I'll, I'll get to it, right? And um, she said, you know they expire. I said, yes, I know. And I, I picked a date, February 3rd. And, uh, and well, because they expire in May. So I just picked my mom's birthday, which is coming up. And so I'm struggling with God as we're coming closer to this date. And uh, he's telling me, don't be scared about failure. Mm -hmm. Fear me. <laughs> Amen. Which is funny because she started off um, after worship. Um, Marsha was saying right, what she had said. And then, um, and then what you said uh, about come in to the enemy. Mm -hmm. And I am there. Right. Amen. Like, you're not you're not alone in this. That's good. Right. And so I just wanted to everything that you had said today is just very apropos because you're in February third is coming up like next week, right? Mm -hmm. so. That's good. I have just always wondered in uh, Exodus twelve, verse thirty two at the end when Pharaoh is saying, take your flocks and your herds and go, and also bless me. I never understood that. It seemed so much out of context. I thought maybe someone had some insight into, and, and it's, I have not found a translation yet that doesn't have that. So mm -hmm. I just wondered if anybody had any pearls of wisdom about that. Well, well real quickly, I can just look at the commentary here. Um, and it just talks about how his, he was, bless me, also meant, I don't want to die. <laughs> uh, I shall not die, even though I'm a firstborn, because he was a firstborn. And he was aware of that. And that was one of the things as they negotiate, as um, about plague eight, there's negotiation with, okay, all right, you can go, but just the men. And Moses is like, nope, I want everybody. And Thank you. That's yeah. never, that has has confounded me for many years, and you've just but, given it, oh, look at that. it a reason. For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. You know, Michael. two years ago, uh, the Lord had given me a word, and uh, between what Diego was saying this morning mm -hmm. and what you brought, Jared, it kind of matches up, and I think the Lord just told me that today is the day for that word. Amen. And that word was that in the in in the times we head into, there will be lots of talk about Christ likeness, or Christ consciousness, or all sorts of things that that kind of gooey around that, without Christ, and and Christ in that He said in that word was. If you don't know me, then none of this will matter because you won't be able to tell the difference between my voice and the destroyer of the world. So these words this morning are just absolutely powerful to me that today was the day for something that he gave me two years ago. Amen. And I realize it, Jared, between what you were saying was if we don't know him and the destroyer goes about in the world making noise and chaos, how are we going to know the difference? Mm-hmm. And if we don't spend the time and invest our time in that relationship and knowing his word and knowing him and seeking it for that sake, not for our sake, for something we get out of it. Lord, how, are you gonna, how am I going to avoid trouble in this world? Well, you're not. Get over it. Mm -hmm. But know me. Right. Great word. Yeah, thank you.
All right. Good deal. Thank you for everybody that shared. That was awesome. Um, I do. Okay. We'll close in prayer. And then we'll do some announcements. All right. God, thank you so much. Because we said you showed up today. With, with, our, with confidence, knowing that when we cry out to you that you're there, you were here. You are here. God, may we know you in a way that we've never known you before. And may the, the outpouring of everything that you fill us up with influence the world around us. And may we long to see your arrival and your kingdom come. We praise you and we thank you. It's in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, announcements. I was going to get out of the way. So my soul faints and longs for your <laughs> salvation. <laughs> uh, does that remind me that we forgot to do Psalm 119? That's cool. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's not forget it. So God, my soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant digs pits to trap me, contrary to your Torah. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I am being persecuted without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your unfailing love, preserve my life that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. Amen. I even had notes up here. I even had notes up here. Hey, Psalm 119, to declare the beauty of God's Torah and to align our hearts with, with his word. All right. Um. <laughs> Yeah, you go. Yeah, you go ahead. Hey, and uh, I have to say that was a wonderful word, wonderful message shared. Praise God! I love it. And the Lord gave you the word this morning, and you delivered it beautifully. So, thank you know, you. It, it, to, and to to go off of that as well, um, it, you, you told me three weeks ago I was going to come and share, and so right away I went and just started looking and reading and trying to figure all figuring, trying to figure all this stuff out and trying to get all smart, stuff like that, with like big words and, hey, here's the Hebrew and all that stuff. And so um, it uh, didn't, didn't really complete anything until the last like day or two. And, I, and, I, and I, I realized it because God was saying, you know, if, if I had given you what you wanted two weeks ago, you probably would have quit pursuing me. And so I per literally, I don't, I've, I've pursued him so much this past couple weeks that sometimes it's, you prepare your heart and then when it's time to, sh to come up and speak, then he'll, he'll do that. And it wasn't until the very end. And I, just, I was just thinking about that, how, yeah, I mean, if I, I'm kind of joking, went to the sermons online and just got a sermon on the Exodus or something like that and just kind of outlined it and spoke it and, you know, you know, changed my voice to, to make sure that I would, people knew who, when Pharaoh was speaking compared to Moses and all that stuff, you know, it just wouldn't have been, it would, it would have been totally different, but God kind of like withheld what he really truly wanted to share and say, and literally until like this morning. And it was like, and I know you, you come, you talk about that quite a bit, <laughs> how you think you're ready. And then God will just kind of share something else and show you something else. And then it just, you know, when it's from the heart, it's just always a little bit different. Absolutely. Cause that's where God's spirit is moving in it. You know, we you joked about how AI could write a sermon, but the AI cannot write what the spirit has to say. And so that's where the Lord moves and gives the word. And it's our responsibility to be the vessel through which that word can flow. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas.